All right. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you great. Oh, okay. It says recording in process or in progress. So I think we're we're good. Um, cool. Okay, cool. Well, welcome, Martha. Thank you. To my first ever podcast. <laughs> uh, and so this podcast, like I was telling you, so Martha Buckley is our very first guest on Designing a Startup Life podcast, which is super exciting. Uh, episode 001. <laughs> Which uh, <laughs> which will be forever zero zero one. So how do you feel about that? Well, I'm glad that I can set the bar low, and then you guys can really get in like the the hard hard hitters to uh, <laughs> take you up from there. But no, it's 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 an honor to to be on here. So thanks for having me. Cool. Yeah. So we're setting the bar high. Um, <laughs> but so I guess we'll, we're going to start. I'm going to just give a little introduction. Um, maybe introduce you for a quick second, and then I'd love for you to tell everyone you know, what you do, who you are, but then we'll really dig in deep a little bit about your experience and also some good stuff that I hopefully plan. So um, let's start there, right? Awesome. Cool. All right. So we have Martha Buckley. Uh, she is an entrepreneur, community activist in my mind, a philanthropist, uh, you know, all around awesome entrepreneur that I've met um, several years ago while working at the Startup Institute. And I want to bring in you know, entrepreneurs here in for the podcast that are really aspiring and also inspiring. Uh, I think we have a lot of, at least in my mind, podcasts out there that are, you know, like we talked about the heavy hitters that may sold a company or two and they're all over the news and not that we're not going to get there. But I think the audience that we're talking to really wants to hear of people in the trenches and that's kind of the hope. And so we couldn't think of a better guest and Martha. And so welcome. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's, um, as you said, I think sometimes when you're in those trenches, it feels very isolating and alone. So I'm excited that you're kind of connecting this community of people that we can all say we've been there. We're even there, yes. maybe. <laughs> and yeah, uh, here to kind absolutely. of help each other. Yeah, for sure. Well, could you tell everyone a little bit about kind of your quick, you know, pitch of who you are? And, you know, we'll dig into a lot of the, uh, stuff that you've done, but just to give everyone some context of, of, of who Martha is. Sure. So professionally, um, I started out my career in a very traditional um, corporate path, um, worked for Staples Corporate out in the Boston area, um, and then quickly decided I wanted to give this whole startup thing a try. And so I actually exited my corporate life to um, become a student at the Startup Institute, um, studying digital marketing. And then from there, you know, worked for a few different startups, including the Startup Institute itself as an employee um, out in the Chicago area, and then transitioned um, into a practicing technologist, and then actually reverted back to a corporate lifestyle as well. So I've kind of ebbed and flowed through both corporate um you know, life as well as startup life. And in all of those roles um, have worn many different hats, uh, including kind of marketing, sales, product management. Um, but yet, while those roles all were very different, um, I think what's kind of been neat to see is I've truly tried to follow my heart and what I'm passionate about. And um, there's a common theme in all of the roles. And we'll dig, dig, I guess, you know, further into those roles as they have materialized, but really what's been at the heart of all of it is building and fostering community. So, um, you know, that's kind of been the tying theme, but the neat part is I've kind of lived in and out of varying cultures and experiences, um, and 
am still kind of diving into the startup space as we speak. Yeah. And, and that's really interesting. If we, we'll probably dig into this more too, but you know, you're, I think you're, you're a lot of, you're, like a lot of people out there in and out of, you know, maybe starting out in corporate, you know, for the corporate space and then wanting something more, uh, and then maybe going back into it. But, you know, what was it about, I think we all have feelings of, you know, we need to get out of this specific corporate environment we don't like, but what, what was it for you to say, okay, this is not for me. And, you know, jumping into say startup Institute, which was, you know, we both worked there at the same, at, at one point and it is taking a big leap of, leaving a job, going full-time into learning new things. So what made you say, all right, this is this is enough. Um, you know, I want something new. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, the true answer and the honest answer was a sense of curiosity. Um, and for me, I had started out um, my career as an unpaid intern at Staples, um, working in community and uh, relations as well as PR, and did all of my college internships there. So fortunate to have that experience in my belt and then got ultimately hired full time there, fresh out of college, first working in a role in energy management. Um, so totally operational side of the business, which was really interesting. Um, and then yeah. And then um, just by way of networking through the building, found my way actually over to the private label product side of the business, um, working in a packaging role, um, which is also very interesting. Um, and then again, just by being super transparent upfront about what I wanted to learn or build skill sets in, I transitioned into a marketing role in that same um, team. And at the time, you know, I had clearly gotten a variety of very diverse experience at the same company. And when I talk about that sense of curiosity, I think what was kind of eating away at me a little bit was peers or friends of mine at the time, you know, maybe it had experiences working in different companies. And I'd only ever worked for one company since I was 17, you know, so for me, it was this um, desire to just get a different vantage point or a different experience. And I think the naive side of me was like, well, you know, I was younger, um, is oh, startups sound so cool and they sound hip and innovative. And that was, you know, I think culturally just screamed a little bit differently than the, the environment I was currently in, which was not, it was not a bad one, certainly just, just different. So I was looking for a new experience. So it was just this sense of curiosity, like what the heck is even a startup like? What's it about? And that's why Startup Institute actually truly was very attractive was because it was kind of like this try before you buy. Um, Go in, try it out as a student, um, learn what companies are looking for, um, learn a new set of skills. So to me, I, I didn't think there was a lot to lose by leaving and trying something new. So that was really the catalyst, I guess, was just this deep curiosity. So, so the, the company you were with since you were 17 was Staples. Which, so Staples since you were 17. Yes. Okay. Wow. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's really interesting because I think, what do you think some of the skills were that, because you said you worked in some packaging roles, operation yep. roles. And I think a lot of people struggle with that is that they may feel like I have experience in some industry and then. Is it really transferable? Like, do you think a lot of the things that you learned, you know, obviously you weren't in startups or tech before, um, you know, do you think a lot of the stuff that you learned was, was, was transferable in a way? Absolutely. I think you learn um, fundamentally just strong foundations, um, having a strong understanding of how 
business works and operates. Um, I think you have a strong, especially I think I was a little bit unique in the sense that I flip-flopped between consumer-facing roles and operational-facing roles. So I learned kind of the value of strong internal operational um, communication and um, you know experience, as well as the value that I could add to customers. So I think I was a little bit I don't want to say unique, but but I do. I think for a young person, having kind of both operational experience as well as consumer-facing experience was really, really critical um, to my ability to kind of wear many hats when I got into the startup space because you knew the value and the importance of the focus on both of those things. You can't have one without the other in a startup, right? It's um, You have to have a strong sense of the things that have to get done from a day-to-day perspective to keep the business running, but as well as you can't lose your focus on the customer, right? So I think Staples gave me that foundation to have an appreciation for that. Um, What really, I think, got accelerated, though, by getting into the startup space versus being in the corporate space, um, there's pros and cons, right, of when you're in a larger organization, there are more resources, more bodies um, available to execute um, against multiple strategic plans. When you're in a startup, what I really learned was not only do those resources not exist. Um, so you have to kind of create things without a budget. You have to make things happen without dollars or without extra bodies. Um, you end up taking on a lot of work that you may not on paper be qualified to do, but it's critical for the business to survive and for the team to continue to be successful. You have to roll up your sleeves and learn. And I think that was something I was itching for was just kind of this opportunity to just dive into a variety of yeah. different skills and kind of really learn. I think sometimes when you're young in your career, it's just as important to learn what you don't want to do as it is what you do want to do. And I didn't have a strong sense of that at Staples necessarily. My younger years, it was like, I had a, I had an intellectual curiosity and a lot of things, but nothing was kind of speaking to me like, this is me, this is my thing. And so that was kind of the, the exciting part about joining a startup was you really get this chance. And some of it's by osmosis, you don't always get to choose. Um, but you have to pick up a lot of different skills and you have to be willing to do that. And that can be really paralyzing for some people. But for someone like me, it's it was very energizing. It continues to be very energizing um, because it gives you this almost freedom um, to try, right? To, to just go in and try a lot of different things. So and that's what I found to be valuable from transitioning from kind of more traditional corporate life. I do think there was just a, an important foundation that I built there that allowed me to have an appreciation for um, startups and and on the flip side, actually, and I know you didn't ask this directly, I've actually found when I went back to working in a corporate environment, I had a newfound appreciation for when you do get those resources or you do kind of have that um, freedom financially um, to try differently, like too, right? That's why I was saying there's kind of pros and cons. I had this newfound appreciation for a sense of urgency. Like, what does it mean to really be urgent and do things um, with, with speed, but also with creativity and almost like your job is on the line. Um, bringing that spirit back to a corporate environment, I think was very welcomed. Um, and so I brought a lot back with me from the startup world. So I think there's kind of benefits to having experiences in both worlds that you can add a lot of value to both startup communities as well as corporate communities by having kind of both of those experiences in your tool. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's great that you kind of be, are able to flex both both you know sets of experiences from scrappy startup to you know yep. well-funded well-resourced um company yep. but and i, I want to hang on kind of like experience like skills for a second because i i just think your experience is really interesting and i and i i believe that uh, sometimes a lot of things we learn aren't necessarily inside per, like the our typical we think professional experience and something that's that jumped out at me at, at your linkedin profile 
was head coach of uh, at Boston College for synchronized skating team. Like you, you got to tell us about that because I mean, right now, you know, off the, the height of the Olympics and, you know, the whole world kind of looking at these athletes, I mean, give us a little bit about that experience. Cause we, I, I really want to know what, what that was about. I don't think we ever talked about that. Yeah. So, um, I joke that in a past life, um, I was a competitive figure skater and, um, actually in a discipline that's not well known to the average spectator called synchronized team skating, which would be the equivalent, the easiest way I could describe it would be synchronized swimming on ice. Um, and I actually competed at, um, you know, the, the D1 varsity level in college um, out at Miami University out in Ohio. And um, we're really fortunate to have been a really talented group of athletes and individuals that got to kind of represent our country and our school at high levels of competition through college. So when I was leaving school, um, there was a great opportunity. A former teammate of mine from from school, her sister happened to have been previously the head coach at Boston College of their synchronized skating program. And just due to personal life um, changes, she was going to be moving out of the area and they were looking for somebody to replace her. And so she kind of gave me the opportunity and just said, you know, do you have any interest? And so it was totally a side passion. Um, for three years, I was coaching the team there and it was an incredible experience. I think because if anything, I have a background in athletics, whether you compete in college or not, having that foundation, having grown up, I think um, it gives you an appreciation. And I think when we talk about the entrepreneurial journey, um, there's so much to be learned from sports or athletics there or any kind of discipline, passion that you train for, you invest in for a long time. Um, you know, we always see the success stories when people are on top or when they win the competition or when, you know, their piece gets published or whatever it is, whether you're an artist or a musician. Um, but what fails to get really shown or demonstrated or, or visualized a lot of the times how much failure and how much work goes into actually those big moments, right? Those, those winning moments. And, um, you know, I think about my, my experience, I started skating at five years old and I didn't reach the pinnacle of my competitive career until I was almost 19 years old. I think sometimes you get people who ask you like, well, how do I get to doing what you do? Or, and again, if people are, are asking those questions based off of watching, you know, either, you know, your resume or your, your LinkedIn, which is all kind of putting our best selves forward. But so much of the journey is centered in, unfortunately, the, the, the laborious, boring, hard work that goes into actually those like accomplishment moments, I guess. Um, yeah. Cause we see, like we mentioned, we see the Olympics and we see the final really moment, right. Where everyone's watching and we're seeing, you know, medal ceremonies, but we don't, what we don't see is from five to 19, you know, the daily work or, you know, weekend work that happens and the pressures on you and your family. And so, I mean, can you, like, if you're say near that height of 19, like, can you give us a glimpse of, because we don't know, like, we don't like, like, do, do these, do these athletes, like in terms of figure skating and I mean, are they, are they working like working out like say an NBA athlete? Like, I mean, just, I guess we're just, we're just in the dark. Like a lot of us are in the dark. Like, what does it take? You know, like, you know, we just, you just can't go to the Olympics. That, that's my, I guess that's, that's my point. Right. For sure. Um, and certainly for my own experience, um, when I was in college, we, you know, our team was uh, very serious in terms of our training. So we trained five days a week, um, usually multiple times in a day. Um, both on and off ice weight training, um, on ice every day. And then there was an expectation, um, actually a requirement that we also trained individually as well at a team practice 
Um, so it was really a hard time joining a college athlete. I mean, that's the expectation where you're, um, you know, you're there representing the school and the university and it's such an honor. Right. Um, and so you take that with a lot of seriousness and there's a, you know, a lot of intense pressure and, and, and training that goes into it. But I think, you know, one, one moment that I think really is pivotal when I think about my own experience was there was a year when I was a junior in college and how the rosters work is generally there's a team of 20 athletes um, representing, you know, the, the team and only 16 will compete, right? So like most sports, right, you have kind of almost backup players or alternate substitute. And so my, my junior year, I was what you call like an alternate, right? So I was not on the full line of 16. I was the remain one of the remaining four skaters. And I remember that being a really difficult year because um, I had reached kind of the, the level that everyone, every young synchro skater dreams about skating at the senior level. It's like the highest mm-hmm. division you can compete in. You know, representing Team USA, we competed internationally twice that season, once at the World Championships in Finland, and then another time that season in Italy. And, um, you know, I, that season was, was quite challenging because my role is really to be a true team player. Um, I didn't get to compete that season. And I remember that being a really talk about battle day in, day out. It's kind of like you, you have to train not just as, not just as hard as everyone else, harder because you're, Proving to you know coaching staff that you're hungry and you want this and you want to win that is the goal right everybody individually has to want to win you also have to want to win for the benefit of the team and I knew in my heart that my skill set I had to work 10 times harder than most of the skaters on the team because I had only started synchro skating um even though I'd started skating skating when I was five, I only had started doing team skating when I was a freshman in, in high school. So in terms of those skill sets, that foundation that we talk about, um, I was a little bit behind the eight ball to be totally transparent. Um, there were other athletes that were skating alongside me who were incredibly talented and had been skating synchronized team skating and trained in that discipline since they were five, right? So they had really earned their stripes and some of them had already competed multiple times internationally before coming to, to compete um, at the D1 level. And I had to kind of rise up to that. And, and it was very lonely and isolating at some times because I was skating multiple sessions by myself just to try to be better. And you felt like no matter how hard you were trying, um, it still wasn't quite enough. Right. And it just felt like I remember a, a total, like honest, vulnerable moment was my family had traveled all the way to Finland to watch the team compete at the world championships. And I wasn't even skating. Right. And I remember being so strong for the team and being so happy to be there. Cause it's such an honor, right. They're representing your country all the way in Finland, like a pretty cool experience but as an athlete and a competitor. There's nothing satisfying about not being like actually out on the ice during that performance. Right. I wouldn't be a competitor if I said I was satisfied standing on the sidelines as an individual. But as a team member, that's not your job, right? And so it's a very humbling experience to have to go through because you recognize it's not about you. It's truly about the team at that point in time. And I remember looking at my parents and after that whole season, I just said, I thought I'd kind of physically and emotionally exhausted my resources um, in preparing for all of those moments and those opportunities and still falling short for every competition of making the full roster or the lineup there. Um, I remember kind of saying, I think I might be done. You know, it was one of those, like you just fatigue, I think emotional and physical fatigue. It's like, I don't know what more I can do. And I'm just not sure if I've got more left in the tank. And I said, but before I make that decision, I'm going to take some time. 
going to give my mind and my body a little rest at the end of the season. To I don't want to make an emotional decision. So long story short, is I kind of had to come to a realization. This experience, is it about me or is it about something bigger? And I recognize it's about something bigger um, and I'm okay. I almost had to be okay with the idea that I could go into my senior season and relive the same season I had just gone through um, and, and do it for the benefit of the team and the benefit of there's always going to be somebody who doesn't get to, or four skaters really in that instance, I guess you don't get to skate, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's amazing because, you know, you, you said five years old, you hit your pinnacle at 19 and the pinnacle was at a point where you had to not be part of the team on the ice. So it's a lot of, a lot of us would say, you know, I'm just going to quit because like, this is, I've done a lot of work and, but you're, but you have said, you kind of had this resilience and said, well, you actually looked at your pinnacle as not even about you, which is, which is pretty awesome. I mean, so where did you get that from? Because you just don't kind of pick that up or decide that that's, you know, like that's in your heart. I mean, what were you like as a, like as a kid, you must've been, you know, pretty, pretty resilient too. I mean, how did you, you know, was your, how was your childhood? Was it I would imagine it was, it was similar, similar experiences because you just don't, you don't kind of look at the world like that. Yeah, no, that's a really great question. And I have a lot of really amazing mentors and people in my life to think for that perspective. I don't think I was just born with that, but, um, you know, my, my family in particular, and I had coaches, young, you know, young ages and other sports as well and other disciplines who really instilled the value of the experience, um, versus achievement. And I think I was naturally a very competitive kid um one of the favorite stories a quick one is my very first skating competition um when you're little and they're you're learning you know they don't give out gold silver bronze medals because they're encouraging participation but they'd had different color like ribbons on the medals or something and my very first competition i had already figured out that the blue ribbon meant first place and when i get the blue ribbon i was like but wait i want blue one <laughs> so i think i've always had kind of a competitive spirit so that always been there but i think the older i got um, and I'm really fortunate to have coaches and, and great family dynamics that kind of enc- encouraged or really supported this idea of creating your own purpose and your own experience. Um, and so that was, again, as you said, it doesn't just come out of nowhere. I had a lot of disappointments and a lot of different things that I tried to go after. And it takes a lot of failure. But I think building that resiliency muscle that we're kind of talking about is something that comes from a lot of failure. Um, and so I did. I mean, I but I was always relentless in the pursuit of this kind of experience that I was looking to create. And I was never afraid of that. Um, but I was really lucky to have a lot of great coaches, mentors, and my parents certainly, um, to help me understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's huge. Yeah. I mean, because obviously like, you know, I'm a parent, I'm a parent of three and it's, you know, our struggle as parents is like, you know, you want to be able to set up an environment and experience for your kids to be able to let them fly. And it seems like your parents let you do that. They did. And they always let me follow what I was saying about, you know, it's really important to be the first one on the field and the last one off. And it's always important to be a teammate first and let your personal disappointments kind of fall to the wayside. And they saw me kind of get, like any parent would get protective over their kids in those moments where they know that maybe the coach was favoring certain players or skaters or whatever, or, but they never let me feed into that. Even if they thought that as parents, they never promoted that it was always so proud of you because you went out and did your best we were so proud to see like they always really encouraged the behavior around those activities um meaning just the effort and show up and be prepared and like those kinds of behaviors over 
wins and losses. Like those just weren't the things we focused on as a family. Um, and I was really lucky to have parents who, you know, really fostered that in, in me. Um, and it definitely transpired as an adult, but we're human, right? Like I will tell you that there were plenty of like not junior experience that I was sharing, um, in my skating career, a lot of tears and a lot of self doubt. And, um, there were a lot of moments of frustration. I mean, just all the human emotions that come through with working kind of in a breakthrough moment, falling down a lot and tears and self doubt and anger and frustration. And it's not fair. (laughs) I mean, that's just human. You can't not have those feelings. But what ended up happening was I went on this study abroad experience, actually talking about kind of uh, where the real, real reset moment came. And I went to Nepal actually with a group of students from AMI and we did a, a trek to Mount Everest base camp. And I was um, along that, that long kind of trek where there was solitude and there was time alone and a lot of time for me to wreck and think. That's where I made my decision and my choice to really come back. And I needed that space and that time to just say, am I willing? Is it worth it? And I said, yeah, it is. You know, that was kind of the the journey that brought me to kind of making that final decision. That's great. I mean, I mean, since we're on the kind of subject of a family and kind of mentors and uh, that thing, I my vision kind of was to yes. kind of extract one big question that I have to ask every guest. And um, <laughs> and my and my question is like my question is this, um, kind of set it up a little bit. You know, imagine one day you know, generations from now, whether it's members of your family or friends, um, end up mm. walking into a room and that room is completely filled with books, like floor to ceiling, you know, <laughs> as far as you can see. Um, but yes. you know, and so a library really, right. And each book and each book that you mm. can discover, uh, each book represented a chapter in your life. Which book would you want uh, those going into that room to pick up and read and why? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. Quite candidly, I would love um, those people to probably pick up my current chapter of my life. Um, I think, yeah, which is really cool because I just kind of actually shared a pretty vulnerable um, chapter, which was kind of some of my athletic experience and how that kind of all transpired. But sometimes we don't understand how those experiences like that one that I shared kind of prepare you for other life things. So you know, the past year or so, um, I've been so blessed, so fortunate. I transitioned from the Boston area out to Chicago a few years ago. Um, and personal life actually drew me there. So I kind of gave up everything that I knew here in the Boston area to make a, a transition out for personal life. And, um, and in that experience, I was terrified. First of all, I had no idea. I had no kind of network. I didn't have a community of people. I actually didn't even have a job initially when I first was coming out to Chicago. And so the idea of kind of starting over was a true leap. And that's where what drew me back to the Startup Institute, which was really such a blessing. Um, but I ended up, you know, working for Startup Institute there. And then, you know, organizational changes happened. So I had to shift away from Startup Institute, unfortunately, um, which again was kind of this blank slate again from a career perspective. Um, and so, you know, navigating a layoff, um, in an unfamiliar community was kind of an interesting experience. And then, um, unfortunately, you know, what had drawn me out to Chicago initially was a, a relationship. Um, and, you know, I think there's no class in college, by the way, 101 that teaches you like adulting, like how to navigate when you get laid off from your job and then your relationships fall apart. And, (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so kind of um, 
kind of all of the the variables that drew me to that community out in Chicago in the first place, unfortunately, all kind of fizzled apart at the same time. So I ended up losing my job and, um, you know, this relationship that I um, had come out to Chicago to kind of foster fell apart as well. Um, and so I was kind of left navigating um, how do I kind of maximize this community that I've built out in Chicago and make the most of it? You had to make some tough choices about, you know, is this where I want to put roots down for myself? So again, like really kind of a reflection of that conversation I had in my mind with my athletic situation, which was like, you know, is this about me anymore or is this about a bigger picture? Um, and so you, you take leaps of faith. And so I had joined another early stage company that was, you know, i totally aligned with my passions and what I was excited about, which was building a philanthropic community in the Chicago area. And, you know, that was really exciting too, but I unfortunately had to make a choice to leave there and, and kind of move back to the Boston area to kind of recenter myself personally. Um, and in that experience, I got got back to Staples um, in a new function or a new role, which was to, you know, help oversee our charitable giving initiatives, which was like a unicorn job. And I'm like, okay, I got everything figured out. Now I got this, you know, like, okay, you know, personal life is starting to come back together. Um, and then unfortunately, you know, the nature of business is, um, you know, sometimes difficult decisions have to be made because of, you know, trying to protect a business. And, um, so it was unfortunately laid off from that position. Um, our whole team got eliminated, unfortunately, um, about a month ago. And, you know, just when you think you're getting your, your footing stable again, you're kind of exposed to, to go find something new. But I think old older me, meaning years past, that would be paralyzing. That would be so scary um, and so unnerving. And what's really cool is I think both the experience that I had with my skating career, as well as just kind of diving into startups in general and that level of uncertainty, I now have the tools or the skills and the network um, to navigate through that. And that's so empowering. So in a time where if on paper, you looked at <laughs> what I've been navigating, you'd probably be like, Oh my gosh, like, is she holding it together? And actually, I've never felt more empowered, which is a really, um, that's a really special experience. And that's something I would want people to read about because it's, it's not, it's always easy to kind of be on a high, talk about all the great things. But I think when you can turn difficult situations or negatives into empowerment and turning uncertainty into brilliance or make it a, a transformative energy like that's power and that's not something I always had but it's taken a lot of failure and it's taken a lot of different experiences to have that perspective um so that's the book that I'd want people or the chapter I guess that I'd want people to read that's awesome I mean obviously we can't wait to read those chapters so I'm sure they're going to be filled with lots of success and a lot of um, great stories that, you know, we can read. So thanks for sharing. That was awesome. 